song. Amen. So y'all come on. Now I done built y'all up. Don't y'all let me down now. <laughs> you ain't got to sing to me. I'm just picking. I'm just going to use this one. No, I'm just going to use this one. <laughs> um, so this song was one that we heard at the, or at least it was the first time that I had heard this song, um, at the prayer advance. So I texted Cammy last night, and I'm like, I just think that I'm supposed to do this song. I was like, just pray that if it's meant to be, the chords will be really easy, and it'll work out. So it worked out. <laughs> And if we can make it through it without bawling our eyes out, then we'll be doing good. And we might shout at the end of it. <laughs> but it's called Available. And I just, I want to be available for Christ. <laughs> Play for a second so we can just calm down. <laughs>
sacrifice. Use me how you want to, God. <laughs> Have your throne within my heart. I hear you call. I am available. I say, yes, Lord, I am available. I hear you That's a great song. He did a great job. You know, I think many times our usability for God is not because God doesn't have the ability to use us. It's because we don't make ourselves so available. And so I'm looking forward to introduce now uh, Pastor Howard Nestor. Uh, most of y'all, probably if not all y'all, know Pastor Howard. And I'm thankful I've gotten to know him this past year and a half. There's two things I know about Pastor Howard. Besides, I might be better looking. But we'll put that one off to the side, though. Oh, yeah, right. He's got me beat, I think. That's okay. But, uh, I know this. Pastor Howard is humble. God uses humility. Pastor Howard is genuine. God uses being genuine. He's genuinely humble, and he's humbly genuine. And I'll take that any day of the week. Pastor Howard, you come, you preach, buddy. Leave that on, Brother Joe. Let me borrow that just a moment. Let me borrow that just a moment. God has laid on my heart a really heavy burden that I just want to share with you quickly. But our son is missionary. He's in Alaska right now. And our son, Howard, grew up with him, so he knows all the issues he's had and all the ups and downs he's had. He's been with them. He used to, Howard used to spend the night at my house when Michael's birthday was, and they would uh, finally, I guess, I'd just leave home. But uh, our son's in Alaska right now in an area that uh, it's the hardest burden I've had for him through the bad and the things in Alaska that's a very hard place and I just want to ask you to pray because last week uh, on Friday somebody was killed right next to where he lives and they have a um, I don't know a lot about it but he said they're trying to start a uh, Catholic school there and how they get the kids probably to get the government funds is they take them from another place. And he's been in the other places where they would just take the Eskimo kids and so forth. And 
and just kidnap him, abuse him. And I could tell he's really the hardest that's hit him anything he's ever done. He's been overseas a lot. But I just have a, such a heavy burden. I want you to share and pray about it, if you would. Because I don't know what's going on. I think he's scared. But I know God's in charge. And he knows what's going on. But I just think about those kids that are just taken. Uh, several times when he's been there, he's one little girl kept wanting to come and stay with him. Where, and he went back to that same place the next year. She wasn't there, so I don't know what happened to her. But I just wanted to share that burden and ask you to pray with us. Let's do that right now. Sure. All right, let's pray for, for Michael Sutphin. Let's pray for that uh, family. Let's pray for that area and that the gospel go forth and would, would take care of business. Lord, we come to you now on behalf of our dear brother Michael and his family. God, first of all, we want to pray for his safety. Pray for the safety of those who are serving there. Pray for the safety of those young children. God, we can't even fathom just the wickedness to want to kidnap kids. Lord, it's awful. God, we pray that in your mercy and your justice and, and, and your goodness, God, that you would put an end to it even today in this moment. God, we pray that you would bring just about a, an absolute uh, conviction of those who are, who are doing such atrocities. We pray, God, that you would bring an absolute uh, defense, Lord, for those who are serving and for those poor, innocent kids. We pray, God, that you would allow this time, as dark as it may be, God, for the light of the gospel to pierce hearts. God, there's nothing that can bring hope. There's nothing that can bring change there except for the gospel of Christ. And we, allow, we pray, God, that you would allow Brother Michael to be a part of that, just to preach your word. And God, we pray for their safety. We pray, God, that you would do great things through this. We pray that you would comfort the families. God, allow us to be prayerful, Lord. Allow us just to see your hand move and work in this situation as only you can, Lord, that you would get the, the glory and the honor out of it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. certainly an honor and a privilege to be back here at Victory Way to preach. I appreciate the invite. I appreciate all the kind words. And I did pay Brother Joe to say most of that. So if you see him at uh, Fiddler's tonight after service, you know how he got there. But uh, <laughs> I do appreciate the Lord and appreciate all he's done and certainly the opportunity to come and preach to you all tonight. Uh, I, I like what uh, Brother Dewey Weaver used to say, used to be the pastor over at Gateway in Blacksburg. He said, I'll tell you what Henry VIII told his last wife, I'll not keep you long. <laughs> if you have your Bibles tonight, let's turn to the book of Judges, chapter number 11. Judges, chapter number 11, verses 1 through 11. My title can be read two ways tonight. The first way I'll read is for all of you who got an A in English. Aren't you glad God recycles? For the rest of us, I'll read it this way. Ain't you glad God recycles? I'm glad tonight that God can take something that someone else has thrown away and make something beautiful out of it. I'm glad tonight that God can take something that I've thrown away and make something good out of it. If you feel like standing tonight, you certainly can, in reverence to the reading of God's Word, as we read these 
11 verses here in the book of Judges chapter 11. So please stand if you feel like it. If you don't, that's just fine. You can reverence the word of God sitting as well as you can standing. Chapter number 11, verse number 1 of the book of Judges. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot. And Gilead beget Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah, and said unto him, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not inherit into our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren, dwelt in the land of Tob. There were gathered vain men to Jephthah, and went out with him. And it came to pass in the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me, and expel me out of my father's house? And why are you come unto me now when you are distressed? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon, and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us, if we do not at so according to thy words. Then Jephthah went, and the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah all uttered all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Let's pray. Fathers, we come tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way in this service tonight, God. That as the young ladies just saying, God, that tonight, regardless of the circumstances, that we would be available. In Jesus' name we make this prayer. Amen. You may be seated. Ain't you glad tonight that God recycles? Can I tell you tonight that something that has to be recycled has already been used, abused, and stamped rejected? We don't go buy something new and recycle it, do we? We have to have something that someone's thrown away or something's been used or, or something that someone has deemed worthless in order to use it to recycle. There's three things I want us to notice tonight in these verses. The first thing I want you to notice is that this, this uh, recycling includes a rejection. In verses 1 through 4 we see that Jephthah is a mighty man of valor, but the Bible shows us here in these verses that first of all, if we're going to be used of God, sometimes we have to suffer rejection. Now, does anybody in here tonight enjoy rejection? Maybe Danny, nobody else. <laughs> I don't blame his wife for rejecting. No. <laughs> Pick on Brother Danny, I love him. But the rejection, first of all, is based on something, first of all, from the past. Something that Jephthah had no control over. Something that Jephthah had no choice in the matter. It was something that even preceded his birth. Yet, it still caused a rejection in his life. The word valor simply means this. It's great courage in the face of danger, especially in battle. 
But can I tell you tonight that Jephthah was not born with valor. It was not something that he inherited as an attribute of his character. But instead, a valor comes from experience and difficulties and trials and struggles. It comes uh, uh, when a man... Uh, listen, can I say tonight in these first few verses uh, that we could say that Jephthah would be the man for the job. But he's not ready yet. There's a process he must go through. Much like when God called Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, there had to be a process. In order for Peter to be the first or the protoss or the leader of the apostles, there was a process that he must go through. And may I say tonight, there's very little instant gratification in the kingdom of God. There's always a process. We're not ready on our own. There must be a place and a time and, and a struggle, if you will, that we must go through in order to someday be that man that God, or be that woman that God's going to use in that situation. Jephthah would be the man for the job, but you see there's a hang-up. There's a problem. His father had made a mistake, and his son had to bear the shame of it. Not of his own account at all. There's, his mother even has no name here. There, there's not even enough respect for her to even give her name. But may I say tonight that she had a reputation. The Bible says she was an harlot. Gilead had raised his son with no mother to speak of. Now, in verse number 2, it begins to say that Gilead had a wife. Now, now listen, we don't know whether Gilead had an extramarital relationship with this woman, and therefore it was adultery, or if he had the relationship with this woman before he was married, and that would have been fornication. But let me tell you something. Either way, uh, he was the result of it. Now, I want to tell you something. Adultery is still wrong. Fornication is still wrong. Sin is still sin. But can I tell you tonight that God can use a mistake to bring about His purpose. I can give you an example tonight and not go very far other than the King David because the Bible says that he had a, a, an extramarital affair with a woman by the name of Bathsheba and they had a son by the name of Solomon and God wasn't pleased with what David did but God still blessed Solomon. But if you'll read the genealogies in the New Testament, you'll find out that God, even after David had been gone for years, said that David begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. See, sin still sin. Let's not sugarcoat it because something God made something good out of it. The truth is that a sin is still a sin. And Gilead had made a sin, made a mistake, and he had a son by someone who was not his wife, whether it was previous or during the relationship. Gilead had moved on, and he had a family. And the Bible says in verse number 2 that he had sons. Because of these sons, uh, uh, there was a, uh, a controversy within uh, the family. These sons had grown into men, and they disowned their brother. Now, we don't know what the object of that is. It could have very well been a plot, much like uh, uh, Jacob and Esau's mom did, to take the inheritance and give it to the one she wanted them to have. It could be that, that his own brothers uh, envied him and wanted that inheritance. Either It could have been both. We don't know. But either way, there was a misjustice done to Jephthah. Certainly someone had informed the boys of their brother's mistake. 
or their brother Shane. And yet Jephthah was in good company. For can I tell you tonight that Joseph was rejected by his own brothers? Can I tell you tonight that Moses was rejected by his own people? Can I tell you tonight that even David was rejected by his own son? Can I tell you that Jesus Christ was rejected of his own people? He came into his own and his own received him not. So even though Jephthah is going through a difficult time, can I tell you tonight he's still in good company. And I, can I tell you tonight, I don't know your heart tonight. I don't know anybody's heart here tonight. And I, I thank God that I don't know because there's some things I just don't want to know. Can I get an amen right there? But the truth is, if you're here tonight and you're going through a great difficulty, you're in good company. If you feel rejected tonight, you're in good company. The rejection was because of the past in verses 1 through 4. But can I tell you with a smile on my face that in verses 3 and 4, we see that not only is there a rejection because of the past, but there's a rejection because there is a purpose. Aren't you glad tonight? In the midst of everything you're going through, God still has a purpose. He has a reason. There's something that he's doing. I know that we're guilty of saying that God's, I can see God working. Whether you can see him or not, he's working. He's working tonight. The rejection was because of a purpose. In verse number 3, here we see the scriptures use the word fled. He fled from his brethren. It was not a choice that Jephthah made willingly. He went to dwell in the land of Tob. This place was not a place that he would have chosen for his life, but it was God's choice. Can I tell you tonight that my life is full of places that God knows with my heart that I would not have chosen to go and chosen to be in. I would not have given a, even a second thought to choose such things. But you see, God makes the choices often that we're not willing or we're not able to make ourselves. This place was a place that had three purposes. Can I give you those purposes tonight? Number one, it was here in this foreign land that Jephthah would learn the art of war. This taught him how to be a soldier. I wish I could say that like Brother uh, uh, Paul does, a soldier. <laughs> I love to hear you say that, brother. Y'all heard him say that before? I love the way he says soldier. Can I say tonight this was his boot camp? Now the Bible says in the book of Galatians that the law is our schoolmaster. And one interpretation of that word schoolmaster can literally be the interpretation of a drill instructor. Someone who's hard on you. I was telling some folks the, uh, the other Sunday at my church that there's one thing that is ironic to me. All those mean teachers that I had in school became my favorites. How about y'all? Because now I understand what they were trying to do. I didn't like it. So often, often I didn't go along with it. But it was exactly what I needed. Can I tell you, much like Jephthah was, there's instances in his life that there, there's places and things that he did not necessarily want, but absolutely there were places and things that he needed. I'm glad tonight that God, even if we've got a past, God's still got a purpose. 
Not only that, but while they, he was there, Gilead learned not only to be a soldier, but he learned to be a man of valor. The, the land of Gilead, the land of Israel was looking for some men with valor. And obviously the other sons of Gilead had fallen short of valor. Because <laughs> they weren't looking to them. Because they didn't have it. Because of what had happened in Jephthah's life, he had something they didn't have. They may have had a family, but he had a purpose that God had sent him to do. And I tell you what tonight, even if you don't have a family, God still has a purpose for you that's way more important than your family's expectations. God had a plan. God's ways are not our ways. As I mentioned to Brother Paul tonight, something I want to say, God does not order evil. But there's oftentimes he ordains it. Now listen to me. Who ordered the evil against Job? The devil ordered the evil, didn't he? He said, if, let me tell you something about Job. If you'll let me do this, that was evil, what, he, what, God, what the devil intended to do. And God allowed him to do it. Now listen, God allowed the devil to do it. But God didn't allow the evil. Satan did. But God ordained the evil. He said, you go ahead. We used to sing a song when I used to sing with a bluegrass group that said, nothing can touch me that doesn't pass through his hands. I don't know about you, but that's a comfort to me. There's a purpose, even though I've blown it in the past, God still has a purpose. Number three, during Jephthah's time in, in Tob, he accumulated, notice what it says here in verse number three, and he gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. During his time of his rejection, as God began to work that rejection in his life, he made some friends that went out with him. That means they backed him up. Can I tell you tonight that he would not have made those friends in Gilead? He would not have made those friends anywhere else but in his rejection. I've seen men that serve together in combat and it makes a bond that is stronger than anything I've ever seen amongst those men. I had a cousin that served 20 years in the Air Force. He served during Vietnam. He saw the horrors of war. He was a hard man. He never cried when his mom died. He never cried when his dad died. But when his fellow Vietnam vet committed suicide, he cried like a baby. You know why? Because he had some vain men that would go out with him. I'm going to tell you tonight, in the midst of your trials, you'll find out who your true friends are. Those that will go out with you in the midst of what's going on in your life. Those that will stick by you. Now they may tell you something you don't want to hear. They may not back you up because you're doing wrong. But let me tell you something tonight. They'll tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. War came in verse number 4. War came to Gilead. War came to Israel by the way of Ammon. Ammon was a wicked nation. Ammon is the direct result of an incestuous relationship between Lot and one of his daughters. They were an ungodly group of people from the beginning and they were still ungodly. The process of time, the Bible says here in verse number 4, as we look at that verse, had put Gilead in need of Jephthah. You see, there was a time when they didn't want him. But because of that war that God had allowed to happen, there was a place where Gilead was going to need Jephthah. And can I tell you tonight, not only did Gilead need Jephthah, but Jephthah needed Gilead. 
Isn't it wonderful how God not only works on one side, He works on both. If you see Him working in your life, I can assure you tonight that He's working in other directions too. All at the same time. Making His purpose. Even in the direct result of a uh, rejection, God was still working on recycling Jephthah from who he used to be to who he needed to be. Point number two tonight, not only did this recycling include a rejection, but in verses 5 through 8, it included a request. Let's look. First of all, there was a request during the danger in verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, It was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. When war came, they remembered the one who had they'd been ridiculed and tossed in a bind. They had thrown him out because of nothing that he had done. Listen, Jephthah had suffered an injustice. How many of us have suffered an injustice? How many people today quit their church when they suffer an injustice? How many people stay with their job when they suffer injustice, but they won't stay with God's house when they suffer injustice? I can't understand that. Well, they say, well, I've got a financial need. Don't you have a spiritual need? <laughs> Which one is more important? Well, when you're young, you'll say the finances, but when you get old, you'll say, oh, it's spiritual 100%. Because we get a little more wise. I like what Benjamin Franklin said. It is a sad thing because we become wise too late. And we, or excuse me, it's a sad thing when we become, uh, uh, I forgot, this go on. (laughs) I don't have that in my notes either. But I want you to see something. I can see this now. Now let's let's look at verse number 5 here. Here's Jephthah, he's been through all this. I don't believe he's got bitter, but I believe he's got a memory, don't you? He sees these fellas coming. They're the elders of Gilead. He knows who they are. And I, I don't know about you, but I know what I'd say myself. I wonder what they want. And y'all got any family members like that? Don't raise your hand. They might be in here. When you see their name on the caller ID, you say, well, I wonder what they want. One word, children. (laughs) I wonder what they want. There's no doubt that had to have went through his mind. Uh, During the danger, there was a request. They needed, they had to have, uh, in verse number 6, a man of God, they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain that we may fight with the children of Ammon. They had to have a man of valor that was experienced in life. Can I tell you that as this begins to unfold, I remember what Joseph told his brethren. Y'all remember it too. God, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Man, it was evil what they did to him. But God had a purpose. God's in the recycling business tonight. You've been hurt. You've been given an injustice. You've been rejected. And there's going to come a request. How are you going to look at it? It would be my question to you. Without God's man, God's plan, they did not stand a chance. You've got to have God's man in God's place in God's time. One word, Jephthah. They had rejected Jephthah. But now they wanted him to be captain. You know, I wonder where those other brothers are now. 
Obviously, they didn't get the training Jephthah did. I want to tell you tonight, don't be bitter at God. He's training you. He's putting you together. He's instilling stuff in you that you will get no other way. They, some of you here tonight, most of us can attest to that very thing. That God has put us through some things that we didn't like and we didn't choose. Uh, uh, but yet there is a request. Uh, there's something that must be done. And all of that preparation is that rejection. If you're going to be recycled, there has to be a place where you're thrown away. I love it when God th goes through the trash bin of my life and starts pulling out stuff I've thrown away. He says, well, I can use this. Y'all do that to your wives, don't you? Y'all go through the goodwill bag, don't you? I've learned not to do that to keep marital harmony. She says, take this goodwill. I say, yes, ma'am. I don't even look in the bag. <laughs> Can I tell you, when God starts to take things out, we don't need to disagree with Him. Because He's put taking out what we need. He gives us so much of what we need instead of what we want. And I wonder where those other boys are. There was a request during danger. There also was a request during distress. Verse number 7. And Jephthah said unto the elders, Did not you hate me? And expel me out of my father's house? And why are you coming to me now when you are in distress? Jephthah points to the injustice. I think he's right by doing so. Because if he don't, they're just going to give it to him again. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, right? I believe that's good. It's not in the Bible, but I believe it's wisdom. They had forgotten in the midst of their distress. But he reminds them that the hate that they displayed to him. Man, it hurts when somebody hates you. They hated him. They hated the thoughts of him. They said, you're, you're born to a strange woman. They, there was a distress. There was a time when there was a distress. They said in verse number 8, we need you now. The elders of Gilead said, and yet therefore we turn again to thee now. They said, that was then, this is now. You know what? They needed a man who was true and tried. Can I tell you tonight, we need some men and women that are true and tried. Ones that's true to the Word of God and one that's been tried in the fiery furnace. Peter said, think it not strange that this fiery trial. Why are we so surprised when we get these trials? I like what one man said. He said, you ought to be praying, God, what now instead of what next? We need to be ready. We need to be uh, uh, in that place where as the girls sung, we need to be available tonight. There was a request. They said, we need a head man. They said, we need somebody that will be ahead over us and fight against the inhabitants of Ammon. Talk about eating crow. I bet they had, a good, had to have a good glass of Pepsi with that one. Boy, there's times I've had to eat some. How about you? See, they needed a man that could lead. And I want you to notice what it says here in verse number 8. Don't want, all these little words mean something, right? He says, to be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. 
And I tell you, that includes them brothers. Now, I know what we'd done. We'd have put them in front of the line like David did Joab and withdrawn, I mean, excuse me, from Uriah and we'd withdrawn from them. And he said, no. You know, I love what Joseph did. He had the opportunity to wipe them boys out. But he said, no, you're my brothers. Don't get bitter. Because God's just using those evil people. I like what Dr. Harold, uh, Brother Harold Vaughn said one time to me, or to us at the prayer advance. He said, you better thank God for that unruly deacon you have because he'll teach you more than anybody else in your ministry. Paul didn't say amen. <laughs> no, I'm just picking it. It's true though, isn't it? Let me tell you something, Brother Joe. That one that stands against you will teach you more than anybody else. You need those people in your life. A man that could lead all the men. Now, I want you to notice lastly in verses 9 through 11 that this recycling includes a restoration. Now we get to the good part. Man, he's been rejected. How many of us have been rejected? How many of us have come around, the people that rejected us come back with a request? How did we do? Well, I want to tell you, Jephthah's an example. Look what he says. First of all, the restoration is sought with a whole surrender. In verses 9 and 10, Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? He says, If I come back, and if we are successful, will you let me be the head after the trouble? A valid question. Will you let me lead in the good times too? <laughs> I'm not willing to be just a spare tire. I desire the full restoration. Frame off everything. I'm talking from the uh, brake lines all the way out, taking everything apart, sandblasting it, fixing it, what needs fixing. A frame off restoration. He said, if y'all going to restore me, I want it all restored. He's not wrong for asking this. He said, are things going to change? Can I tell you tonight that God demands exactly the same? He don't just want to hear you from when your tire falls off. He don't want to just be Lord of your problems. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to be involved in the good times. He wants to be involved in the bad times. I'm telling you, Jephthah's not bad for asking this because there's so many people today. I've told my teenagers this, and I've even told my daughters this. There's a lot of fellows willing to make a change. They're not willing to make a change, excuse me. They're willing to make an adjustment. Let me tell you something, Brother Joe. There's some people in your church that are only interested in making an adjustment, not a change. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes in our marriages, we're interested in making an adjustment, but not a change. I'm going to tell you, God's not interested in you making an adjustment tonight. He's interested in making you, you making a change in your life. Not for just a, 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 a situational ethics, but something that goes all the way through in the good times and the bad. Like jo Joshua said, as for me and my house, we just going to serve the Lord. We don't need to just make an adjustment. How many of you make an adjustment when the preacher's around? How many of you make an adjustment when mom and dad's around? How many of you make an adjustment when the boss man's around? You ought to be the same. I had people come to me, they say, well, the boss is not here today. And I'd say, so? 
I'm going to do the same thing whether he's here or not because he ain't making me do it no way. Amen? Do it as unto the Lord, right? I'm not working for him. What I'm said one night, we know who signed your paycheck. I said, yeah, but I know who gave me this job and it wasn't him, it's God. God's the one who gives me my paycheck. That guy signed this just doing what God told him to do. <laughs> Restoration is about a whole surrender. Matter of fact, if you go back to chapter 10, and we didn't have time to bring all this in, but the truth of the matter is that Gilead had made an adjustment while Jephthah was gone. If you'll read chapter 10, you'll find that, man, there's some repenting going on over there. They'd had a change. They didn't just make an adjustment. They'd already had a change back in chapter 10, and they were going back making something right that they had did wrong to Jephthah. Now they're ready to listen because of Ammon. And Jephthah's also willing to lay down vengeance. Amen? Boy, that's a hard one. When you get the opportunity and their back's turned and you want to put a screwdriver in it and twist it because of what they did to you, don't tell me you ain't never felt that way. But Jephthah was a man of valor because he'd been through the school that God had sent him to. And honestly, it don't look like in the Scripture it was ever a thought. He's willing to lay aside vengeance and serve the Lord purposed by his own restoration. And they even say here at the end of verse 10, uh, they say that, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, they talk about the Lord, uh, uh, that He is the witness of what's going to take place here. By the word of the Lord are they going to take care of this situation. There's a restoration sought with a whole surrender. But let me give you the last one in verse number 11. There's a restoration that's sought by a holy surrender. You see, we can surrender to others, and that's good, but ultimately we need to surrender to God. In chapter 11, the Bible, uh, verse number 11, excuse me, Jephthah says, went into the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. We see here that the story doesn't end in verse number 10. Jephthah does not rely on his own ability and experience. And fellas, he didn't feel like he needed to prove something to Gilead. That's a hard one. Because when we've been rejected and we've been requested, don't we often feel like we've got to prove something? Just be honest. We feel like we've got to prove something. Not Jephthah. What does he do? The Bible says, And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord. And what did he do? Gilead goes directly to the one who has placed him where he is, as the book of Ruth tells us, as such a time for this. Or excuse me, the book of Esther. Such a time as this. Why has Jephthah been through all that stuff? For such a time as this. And he began to realize right here in, chapter, in verse number 11, that everything that happened to him was the perfect will of God. He spread it out before the Lord. I honestly believe there was a prayer of thankfulness there. I think some of us tonight probably needs to hit the altar and honestly bow our head and thank God for what he's put us through instead of saying, God, why have you put us through it? If you're not at that point yet, you will be. 
I think we've all been upset with God because, man, it's just troubles and heartaches. The, the, the whack-a-mole job of life, every time we stick our head up, something smacks us. And we've been bitter. But now, could it be there's just a little glimpse now of why God's done what He's done? Reminds me of the old karate kid. I'm going to date myself here, half of these youngins in here don't even know what I'm talking about. Y'all remember when old Mr. Miyagi went up there and he had that boy waxing the car and painting the fence and he was mad because he wasn't learning nothing about karate. He said, I'm sick and tired of you working me to death when there's no point. And the old man hollered, wax on, and he took a punch at him and he blocked it because he got that good uh, form from waxing that car. Then he done something else and he had that good form from painting that fence. Y'all remember that? Can I tell you, God's had you waxing some cars. God's had you painting some fences. And you think God's just using you. But let me tell you something. He's fixing to use you. But you see, you need to be recycled. He can't use you like you are. There's a process. And can I tell you, every recycling process starts with a breaking up. Tearing apart. Tearing down. At this point, I believe Jephthah utters his prayer of thanksgiving and the prayer of guidance to the one he recognizes has recycled him better than he was before his rejection. I thank God tonight that he's still in the business of recycling. Let's all stand tonight. As a pianist picks her a song to play there tonight, as we stand with all heads bowed.